Leadership Confessions with Phil Rose from Clarity Leadership. Welcome to the latest episode of Leadership Confessions with me, Phil Rose. I always say this, but I'm going to say it once again. Thank you for all the wonderful feedback we're getting from the podcast. Uh, I'm glad you're enjoying them. I'm still enjoying doing that, and and I'm excited once again about today's guest, Uday Bose. So I've known Uday not as long as many guests, actually. Only, what, two to three years, Uday. And um, when you meet someone and you just seem to hit it off straight away, that's how I feel uh, when I've uh, met and worked with Uday. Uday, you'll do a much better introduction of who you are and, and what you do at Bowringer than I would. So over to you, sir. Cheers, Phil. Thank you so much. Yeah, so I, uh, Uday Bose, and I'm the Managing Director and, and Head of Human Pharma for Boehringer Ingelheim, Germany-based uh, headquarters, um, little town in Ingelheim, just about 40 minutes from Frankfurt, uh, and quite unique, actually. We're family-owned. We do human and animal health products. Uh, and yeah, I've been in this role since 2018, November 2018, and it's a dream job for me. I'm, I'm a, as you can hear from the accent, born in the UK, born in Hillingdon, uh, and a chance to come back to the country for your birth and work in healthcare. Um, and to work on medicines that really touch the lives of people, you know, so many people uh, is incredibly rewarding. And I work with a fantastic team and yeah, all good. Life is good. And, and look, thank you for being a guest on, on the podcast. So look, we've called this Leadership Confessions. You know, I feel like you and I got off to a pretty good start in our, our relationship. So I'm going to, I'm just going to bank that and go, right, we'll, we'll get straight into it. Um, <laughs> what are the significant events that you think that have shaped who you've become both as a person and as a leader? Um, so for me, Phil, I think you've got to go back. I've got to go back to to childhood and parents. Um, and we all, I think we all, you know, look up to our parents. And I think in our culture as, as a, from, from India, as a Hindu as well, parent, we, we revere our parents for forever. Even today, you know, my mum lives with us. Um, and the influence of my family and my parents have been very significant. And my dad came over in the early 60s as was the case of many many immigrants at the time to to look for a better life to try and find a a better way because back home in india he'd studied well he'd done all the right things but he just couldn't get the momentum he needed to to build a career and you know support a family so he came here uh really hard work worked in a factory went back home because his parents were worried uh that uh, you know young attractive son of theirs on his own in (laughs) london so they in married to my mum and it was an arranged marriage so they didn't know each other they met each other for the first time when they got married and my mum was kind of yanked away from her family and friends and everything and came over to the UK so that story of of what they did and how they got together and how they built what they built has always kind of reminded me and kept me grounded in terms of wow that's if they can do all of that if they can make such a big step and such a big sacrifice and the least I can do as as a, as a son as a child is you know work hard do my very best not give them any reason to be upset um and that's really so yeah i would say my parents have probably been the biggest single influence for me in terms of shaping the kind of person i am lovely story about your mum and dad um what about your leadership style what what are the things that the defining moments do you think that shape that so i'm i'm very um observe i, I really observe leaders not just leaders people i'm just i, I love yeah. watching and listening and, and picking up stuff and i think i've i've been really blessed I've, I've worked with so many different colleagues around the world and i've had global and regional roles so different cultures different approaches and the leaders i've had the people i've reported to uh, have all been very different um and i've really benefited from that because i've seen you know how they lead what they say how they behave 
I've, I've reflected how has it how has it made me feel what kinds mm-hmm. of leaders can get the best out of me what motivates me what disappoints me um, and I've kind of always kept those thoughts with me and as I've become a leader and I've, I've I do the job that I do today I'm very very sensitive to the fact that there are eyes on me people are expecting something from me um, and I kind of take all of those different experiences that I've seen and, and reflect that in, in the way I am as well any particular people that you've inspired and, and what is it about them you know what if there were certain characteristics that you've taken what would it be so i've had some certain characteristics i would i would talk about um one that's really stuck with me which is which is a key to, to the way i lead today is around authenticity is about being the same person whether you're at the front of the building at a town hall meeting or whether you're yeah. you know in the coffee shop grabbing a coffee uh, sitting on your own doing something i think that authenticity is incredibly important um it sounds somewhat creepy, but eyes are always on you. People are always looking and they want to make sure <laughs> yeah. that what you've said and you know, you're walking the talk. You genuinely are who you yeah. say you are. Um, and that's always stuck with me. So I'm very, I don't think I'm um, anxious about it. I'm not like constantly looking, looking around if people mm. are watching me, but I'm mindful that I've got a responsibility and, and that, that, kind of, that job has, you know, consequences in terms of reputation for the company um, as well and that I hold. So you talked about authenticity. If you know, if I was to get your, you know, your team in a room, if we were to describe your leadership style in three, four, five bullets, what what would you say those those key principles are? Authenticity is clearly going to be one of them. Yeah, empathy. So I, I really seek to to understand. I think people have, and and certainly the people I manage, I'm I'm very close to them. I'm really sensitive to. Again, it's about putting yourselves in their perspective and understanding what they may be going through. So as an example, I've got a new recruit. I've got a new director of marketing starting in a couple of weeks who's relocating. Um, and I, I've been there, right? So when you arrive that evening with all your luggage and you're on your own at an airport and you're going to go to your apartment that the company set you up with and you just left behind your family, potentially young kids who have been very sad to see dad go, uh, it's lonely that that for those first few days and then once you get into work it gets a bit more exciting because you're seeing people but then you go home and it's just lonely so I just remembered that and reached out to him and I said look I'll, I'm, I live right close to Heathrow as you know Phil so I thought I could meet you I'm happy to meet you when you land because it's nice to see a friendly face <laughs> and then why don't we have dinner and you settle in and I'm around um, and it's it's those sorts of just reflecting on how you would like to be supported how you would like to be treated um, that's kind of a core principle of of leadership and just just being human, really, I think. Which, which is what I love about your your leadership style. It is very authentic and 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 very human, and 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 it feels very easy. You know, you feel very easy to get on with, but then that that can't you can't mask the challenges that you face in trying to drive business performance. So, what, what what would you say your biggest challenges has been as a leader? So. Again, functionally loads, right? So working in healthcare, you have, um, there's a lot of pressure. I've worked in early research uh, as a marketer in terms of products that you you spend two, three years preparing to launch. And then the trial doesn't make it. You don't really understand why, but all of that work is like it's wasted. It's like it's done with um, getting a product in your hands in the UK market, especially, and then it not getting reimbursed. So that frustration, you know, you've met patients, you've spoken to patient groups, you've, you've really bought into the need um and you you take it quite personally actually if it's if it's an illness if it's somebody that you know as well that's had that disease you take it quite personally and then that disappointment that frustration so i've i've had a lot of functional kind of challenges um but i think what i've what i've always done with the challenges be they functional or personal or professional has been 
to look at it as an opportunity. Um, a really good friend of mine um, in, in corporate in Germany used to say that his, he watched his son play football and his, you know, they lost and the boy was really upset. And he says, listen, you, you didn't lose, you learned. It's a learning opportunity. It's how you mm -hmm. face adversity that defines um, the future. So you don't lose, you learn, and then you move on. And I've, I've taken all of the challenges I've faced as a learning. Um, and then say, how can I build on that? What did I learn about myself and, and the way we work then? And how can I make sure that moving forward, uh, we build off that? But yeah, many challenges, even today as well. Lo loads on my to-do list in terms of, whoa, <laughs> that's, a, that's a tough one. But um, I'm confident we'll get through it. What, so what, what attracted you to the pharmaceutical and healthcare industry in the first place? So I, but a, lot, a lot of us, I think, I, I came in by accident. I didn't have an ambition to, to work in life sciences. So I was, I used to work in retail, actually. I used to work for Next. Oh, can I say brand names? I don't know. I, I used to work for a famous high street retail. <laughs> I'm sure you, I'm sure you could say Next, mate. I don't think it matters. <laughs> it's a Not good story. BBC. So they, they, won't, they, won't, they won't sue you. It's a good story. So I got a, they had a vacancy on ladies wear. Uh, and as the only bloke working on ladies where the only two places they could put me was on security by the door to look out for shoplifters or working on shoes. So I couldn't be anywhere near the changing rooms and I was too early in my career to work on the tills. Um, so this kind of customer service uh, approach and this working with people really got me early. So I was I was interested in working with people. Um, but I didn't have any office experience and I thought I should get some office experience having done my degree, I should get that. And I got a temping job at Procter & Gamble Pharmaceuticals at the time, which was a small division. Um, and I was working with an epidemiologist doing graphs and charts for him to, to interpret the data. And I basically used that data and, and spoke to the marketing team to say, look, there, there's some messages in here that you could probably use to show the benefits of the products that we're selling. Um, and they picked me up and they brought me into um, a health economist role then I moved to other companies and I worked on the first nice submission that was ever done in the UK. Um, so through market access, health economics, then given a chance to do marketing, did sales as well for a bit. And then I've moved into progressively uh, more senior marketing roles, regional, uh, global. Uh, and then now where I am today in as a managing director. Uh, that's that's a, a great career journey from, from starting at Next. What If you reflect back on your journey what 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 would you say your biggest mistake has been and and, and what did you learn you, you know you talked about your your colleague in in germany that sort of said you know you you don't you don't lose you learn what what, what yeah. do you think that when you've made mistakes what what have they been and, and what have you learned um what i learned i should back myself more even today i think i should right. back myself yeah. more in my the last boss i had um said that as I was leave, we, you know, I left that company and moved to another one. And he, he's so kind. He's such a, such a brilliant guy. And he said to me, just always back yourself. I've always backed you just back yourself, have more confidence in yourself. Um, and that's something I'm always, I've, that's an area that I, I, I've got to work on. So that that's probably the main advice I would give myself. Trust my instinct um, uh, and back myself more. Love it. What, what, what prevents you from doing that? Ooh, <laughs> this is the point in the, in the confession. What uh, prevents me from doing that? I think it's the sense of that responsibility for other people, um, not wanting to let people down. Um, so, and, and typically in the roles we have, Phil, as you know, it is your decisions are impacting other people in, yeah. in healthcare affects patients, right? So I'm always, 
you know, my gut instinct is, oh, let's do this. We could, let's make this decision. But then I'm thinking, but hang on, there's there's a patient on the end of everything that we do, right? Any decision we make, any press release, any clinical development decision, there's a patient on the end of it, and that pauses me. That makes me think, well, hang on, hang on, hang on. This isn't this isn't a game. This isn't my first job in retail. This is important. Um, I also have this tremendous consideration of the responsibility we have as leaders um we we have welcome days uh, bi every welcome day i i make a point of being there physically or virtually um the first thing is to thank employees because it's a huge thing that you choose to put your career your livelihood you know your ability to put food on the table pay the bills pay the mortgage in the hands of of an organization and as a managing director of that company i take that incredibly seriously so i'm very very mindful of um the responsibility I have for others towards others and therefore that's probably what holds me back from making from backing myself all the time and taking time to mm-hmm. to consider to reflect um, and to make sure that the steps we take are are well considered great great answer uh, Uday thank you um what so when you've when you've come uh, when you've had some setbacks whether that be personal or professional what kind of what process or, or how do you overcome them? Because we, we all have low moments. Sure. What, what, you know, what do you do to ensure that you can get, get to be at your very best again? So, I mean, Phil, my faith is very important to me. Um, yeah. And that, that kind of inner belief it gives me um, that there's a reason there's, there's a bigger picture here. And I'm, I'm a pawn in a, in a chess game, right? I'm, and I feel the same at work, right? Work will move me and put me where they need me. I'm, I'm an employee at the end of the day. And I'm a, as a human as well as a citizen, I, I realize there are things happening and there are reasons things are happening. So I, I tend to try and look at the, when we talk about the bright side, but I try and, I'm very accepting that, okay, this is a situation I'm in, whether it's a personal adversity or a professional one. Um, and it's up to me to, to make the best out of it. Um, and that's, that's that analogy I used earlier in terms of choosing whether you, you take it forward as a learning and move on with it or whether you 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 kind of decline into a stupor around it which i, I can't do it's, my personality isn't one to do that i tend to try and look forward pull myself up and, and just move on uh, and that, that's held me in good stead good 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 for you sir and and what strikes me always about you and it's coming over on 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 the podcast today is you know you're very very softly spoken you're very authentic you're very you know empathetic you talked about that being one of your leadership values and and some of the leaders that i work with you know be would be talking more around you know performance and metrics more so than what i ever feel with you and that, but clearly yeah. that's there yeah because it's got to be as a managing director it's got to be so yeah. what, what does high performance look like to you yeah it's a, it's a great question and this is this is one of the worries I had earlier on in my career, because I've always tended to focus on on why we do what we do, right? The patient is the ultimate beneficiary of what we do. So if that's the metric, that's the most important. And I use, I know you're into cycling and stuff as well. And I always, as a sales manager and, and in my role, I use the analogy of, you know, riding a bike up a hill, right? So if you're looking up at the top of the hill, it's very daunting. But if you keep your head down and you just keep motoring on and pushing yourself and reminding yourself why you're doing this, you amaze yourself how far you get um and i think that's what motivates me that really what that drives me and that's my approach to to leadership and the kind of the most important metric we have sales targets we all have targets that we're hitting but in in healthcare my my target will never reflect 
every single possible patient who could benefit um, and that's why I remind my teams and myself to say look there's there's a need there and we shouldn't stop until as many people as can can benefit from this product can can you know optimize from this product we should keep pushing for that we should keep working hard for that so there's as I say there's a bigger there's a bigger goal there's a bigger reason why we do what we do and, and healthcare is such a fantastic sector to work in because your your ultimate purpose is such a profound one it's such an impactful one mm. um, and that's again huge driver for me so so when are you at your best how do we make sure you know then this this could be something your team your colleagues how, how do they make sure they get the very best out of Uday when, when are you at your best sir I'm at my best when I'm, I think when I'm up against it. Um, I love, I love it when somebody says, that's not going to work. Can't do that. It's mm. never happened. We can't do that. I, I just love, there's a little chink in me, that like little cheeky <laughs> smile that comes up and says, oh, brilliant, bring it on. So one of, one of the biggest kind of infection points in my career was I, I used to work on a, a, a product, which is a massive product, but on, there was one indication for that product. Um, it's a, a product for cancer. And this was about, 15 years ago and it was a lung cancer indication and 15 years ago Phil you'll remember lung cancer was a disease of people who deserved it the the societal view on lung cancer was very negative Mm. you just couldn't get the airtime breast cancer patient you think you know young innocent woman uh, victim lung cancer patient the perception at that time was I'll smoke her Uh, that's what happens Um, and it was a very difficult so that product and that whole area was really depressed and the, the product wasn't doing very well um, and I was sitting in a review of the, the overall product and that particular indication because there was nobody working on it, it just got completely missed. Um, and I was working on another product at the time, but I went to the to the head of the department. I said, listen, now, it's interesting. Nobody's doing anything on that. And he said, yes, yeah, just forget it. <laughs> it's it's a loser. Don't worry about it. And I said, well, is it all right if I if I have a go, if I, I've got some ideas, if I can pick something up? No money, no agency support. Um, just let me put some ideas down. And I did that. And I, I just fell in love. I met with a patient organization up in Scotland, actually, um, Roy Castle Lung Foundation. I remember them so well. And they just gave me a couple of stories about these are what patients are going through. This is the reality of a lung cancer patient. And it just inspired me. And I came out of that meeting feeling so kind of angry that how on earth has, has this happened? That it's, a, it's mm. a cancer patient is having to face this and being denied this put all of that into the into the work that I did and we turned that product around we we managed to get a really good campaign simple one but it really focused on the patient impact that there's actually a person don't think about think about the patient think about the things that that patient wants to achieve um, and why we need to do something for them so that was probably the first opportunity I had to realize that go for go for something which is really challenging and then you'll find energy in that and that'll, that's where I feel like I can be the best um, that I can be when, when I'm up against it. Cool. And, and I love how you started that answer off with sort of that, that sort of little glint in your eye. And I can imagine a, a little smirk because I, I yeah. can't imagine <laughs> anyone knowing that, that that's kind of got your got you motivated. There would just be a little glint in your eye. That, that, yeah. that. So, so how do we know what is rattling your cage and, and what, what is it? Because I can't, you know, you're, you're so softly spoken in, and the way in which you come across and the way in which you, you you work with your 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 team and your colleagues yeah. what what does rattle your cakes and, and how does Uday show up oh god when that happens <laughs> <laughs> um, i've not what, seen rattles, it i've tried yeah. i've not seen it though yeah and we've had some really good sessions with my teams as well exactly so what what rattles my cages i think I, I don't like and it probably comes through in what i've said about myself right so when people feel that they can't do anything um and what's the point that kind of defeatist 
attitude and that resignation of well it is what it is it's never going to change what's the point that that gets my goat that uh, frustrates me um but I've learned again this is the as I said earlier watching other people and how how do you deal with a situation which you're not comfortable with is is through talking is through empathy trying to understand why do you feel that you can't do anything about that situation um what is it about the situation that you'd like to change and how can we find a way to do something you know take baby steps it doesn't always have to be the, the the solution in one yeah so yeah that's that that's what frustrates me when i come and it, it it's links to accountability which in our company at bi accountability is one of the, the driving behaviors that we have that be accountable um take ownership of stuff um so yeah where where i don't see accountability that that rattles my cage but i tend to try and again understand why nine times out of 10 it's not because they're just stubborn and they don't want to do it but it's a belief that they can't do it and that's where we can help i think as as colleagues as peers as leaders to try and uncover what what the issue is so how do we know if you're pissed off how do you know <laughs> how do i what do i do when i'm pissed off i yeah. i retreat my wife will tell right. you i was going to say maybe <laughs> we should ask your wife I, yeah. I, 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 ask my wife she sees everything yeah i i tend to retreat i tend to go quiet yeah i tend to go quiet um, and it's, it's, it's a fun question, but there's a deep thing in this. So my, when I was 12, my uh, parents separated. Um, and I remember leading up to that, how the atmosphere in the house, the arguments, and they used to, when they'd argue, they just wouldn't talk to each other. And we had a big house. We used to live in Ealing at the time. And my mum would go upstairs and would follow her because <laughs> it's mum. And my dad would be downstairs. And I just, I, I, I observed that to be well, that's peaceful now then, isn't it? So if you just get yourself away from the situation. And I think that has, because I was talking to my wife about it the other day, and I just, I, when, when there's like disruption or anger or people are shouting at each other, I just get very, I've become a kid again. I've become very anxious and I'm like, either try and solve it, which my wife hates when I try and solve, because I can't always solve problems and I've got to mm -hmm. tell myself that part of the counselling. Um, but I tend to <laughs> then go away from it. I tend to move away from it because it's like, oh, I can't deal with this. And that's tough when you've got three kids in the house as well. Yeah, yeah, too right. Um, uh, moving on a bit, I know you spend a lot of time thinking about your own development. What's on, mm -hmm. what's on your personal development plan at the moment? What are you working on? It's a great question. You know what, I think as leaders, the more senior you get, sadly, or maybe it's just me, I think the less time you get to reflect about yourself and mm. your development and your potential and what you want, you're so focused on others um and i was talking to a colleague about this the other day and reflecting on it that we don't get asked that question as much as we should i think because actually the development of leaders is incredibly important because that's how that's if that's the i think you knew, you use the analogy wasn't it the, the fish dies from the head mm, i keep mm -hmm. using that when you gave me and uh, <laughs> if we don't invest in the head if we don't invest in making sure that's yeah. in a good place so last year for the first time my hr director finally got me to concede and i i started talking to a coach uh, and the coach has been really helpful for me. It's it's a unique skill I think coaches have. They literally comment or even ask one question, and then before you know, it, you've been chatting for forty five minutes. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So, uh, but the, yeah, the things that are on my plan that I've developed is around balance, because um, the coach spotted quite quite early on that I put a hell of a lot of effort, and I I, I spread myself very thin. I do lots of different things. Um, and the realization is because I enjoy doing those things. It's, it's, I just get a lot of joy from, you know, wearing lots of different hats that I wear um, and to reflect on that and to make choices. Um, so what's on my development plan is to make some choices in terms of where I put myself um, and 
uh, that that's and the prioritization i mean that's that's always been a topic uh, and continues to be a topic so that's what i'm working on and it's tough because when you have to make choices across things that you enjoy doing yeah. it's obviously tough to walk away but i've realized that if i don't do that um then i'm going to suffer uh, and and i don't need to do that <laughs> yeah good um what what so on that theme what advice would you have for the aspiring leaders uh uh, Boeing at Ingelheim or or anyone that's listening to this podcast I mean it's, it's something that I didn't do but I on, on with hindsight I think I should have done this which I didn't really set myself any goals um, I've, I've always reflected on it in a very positive way to say oh I've never actually applied for roles people have come to me or I've been promoted and I, I've, I've always looked at that as a really positive thing but what I reflect on is actually in, in that approach what I did and what I've done is I've not actually given myself what do I want I've not set myself my ambition. Um, so that that would be the advice I would give to every to anybody that I speak to, and I, to my own colleagues at work as well. I say, what's your, what do you want to do? What, what's good for you? Be a bit selfish in this conversation. Think about what drives you and what you, where you want to end up. Um, and only now, really, in my career, am I, am I thinking like that and doing that? Um, um, and it's had a huge effect on me in terms of my mind and where's my, where's my head at in terms of what am I trying to achieve? Cool. So what advice would you give you? Is, is that the same advice that you'd give a, a younger Uday starting yeah, out again? Definitely, yeah, definitely. Don't be, yeah, have, what, what do you want to achieve? What's your ambitious goal? And, and set a plan to do it. Um, and it's interesting. It's only literally within the last few months I've, that this, this has dawned on me that what I've always positioned as, oh, isn't it great? I've always been moved around is actually quite a... Um, vulnerable situation to be in I've, I've never set myself that no actually this is me this is what i want to achieve so that would absolutely be the advice to my young and maturing self i won't say old <laughs> <laughs> no you're not old make it <laughs> not i mean any of that give the folks listening uh, an insight to to uday outside of work please so you, you probably picked up family family is very yeah, important yeah, to me absolutely. and i um, regret not being able to spend as much time with them as i'd love to i'm in my home office at the moment surrounded by um sats papers because my youngest is going to be doing her sats and i've got loads of things to do at the weekend with three daughters that we have so family is very important to me um i love baking um colleagues at work know this they suffer because i often bring things in that i've baked so i'm a keen baker and i know i'm not going on bake-off it's far too intense for me um you know this, I know you don't want me to talk about it, but I do support Liverpool. That's a oh, massive, really? uh, I know, don't roll your eyes. Yeah, massive Liverpool fan, have been since childhood. Um, so football, uh, watching it, talking about it, gossiping about it, um, and keeping keeping fit, keeping healthy. So I've got a yeah. good routine in the mornings. I wake up, I go gym, keep myself healthy so that I can eat the crap that I eat during the day, really. <laughs> it's all about balance <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and what does the future hold you know what's you know ukmd what what what's what's the future hold for you so it's a brilliant question actually because again link if you'd asked me this a few months ago i would have said i really don't know i just want i just know i want to contribute and, and do something I, i've my again my this boss of mine gave me this incredible book called legacy i don't know if you've read it by james yeah. kerr yeah. yeah it's incredible isn't it about you know, it's, and I'm not into rugby, but it's about the, the, the lessons and leadership around mm. looks at the All Blacks and that idea of putting the shirt back in a better position yeah. than when you got it. Yeah. That, that was be what I would have said is in terms of what I want to achieve. But now I've, I've thought more about myself and what I want. I, I feel that I can 
diversity is incredibly important to me diversity inclusion and, and using the voice i have using the opportunity i have and that's where i see in the future i, I think i, I want to be more engaged more active in terms of helping minorities um get their voice um because i think that's incredibly important there's so much we can gain if we take the holistic approach of the society that we live in there are so many opinions so many views so many wonderful things out there in terms of culture that we're just not tapping into because for reasons we will we're all aware of minorities often feel that they're excluded they're not people aren't interested in their views this isn't for them um healthcare where i work and, and we've done some fantastic work at the at the association of the british farmer industry where i sit on the board um where we've been brave now to to take a look at what are the stats around diversity and inclusion in our sector and it's it's not a good read it's it's yeah. not great um but it's something that we can do something about because our, the population the patients out there we're treating are diverse so we have to be the sector be reflective of them if we're going to serve them so um, that's something I'm really passionate about and I, I, I hope I see myself moving more in that direction and doing more in that space that's exciting uh, mm. and very much needed Uday good good on you sir um couple of quick fire questions what, what's mm. uh, what's your what's your guilty pleasure we've all got at least one what, what you know this because you we can go I'm in your meetings <laughs> I'm nibbling away at chocolates so chocolates and I will say the brand name because this has got to be one of the best chocolates out there star bars oh if you haven't had one and you're not allergic to peanuts, grab a star bar. Oh. Ch- chocolate comes up as a guilty pleasure so often. <laughs> it's, so it, it's, it, it's amazing. <laughs> Tell us one thing that's going to surprise our listeners about you that that you a lot of people don't know. <clears throat> oh, wow. I love Lionel Richie. That's <laughs> <laughs> Massive Lionel Richie fan. Oh, and I can do the rap. Uh, I won't do it now, but I can do the rap from my generation, from the eighties, like Dr. Dre oh stuff. Oh my god! Fresh oh, Prince of Bel Air. My oh, my youngest daughter started watching geez. that the other day, and I from West Philadelphia. I did it all, and she looked at me like, "Who on earth are you? That is so cool." So yeah, that's what are people. Are you sure know. she was seeking that so cool? <laughs> Well, um, yeah, I think that's a good point. <laughs> what, 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 what would you put in room 101? Oh, mate. Shoddy builders. Because I'm having problems with builders that said they were going to turn up and don't turn up as I look out the window and he's still not here. Shoddy builders would do. Can I put another one in there? Because again, looking around, this is what is bugging the party bags, kids' party bags. Oh, yeah. You know, there's little plastic things oh, which have yeah, so much crap waste. that ends up yeah. everywhere lollipop stuck on a wall somewhere oh god oh those sticky things they throw on the walls oh kids party bags put them in <laughs> get them out what are you what are you hopeless at <laughs> this is not helping my uh, my coaching uh what am i hopeless at oh you know what i'm hopeless at and it links to my baking is shoe pastry you weren't expecting that phil but shoe uh, well, pastry what's your, what's, what's your favorite thing to bake uh, if, if you've got your go-to thing where you kind of go, right, I'll, I'm not going to knock this one out of the park. What is it? Brownies. Brownies. Love love making a brownie. It's quite quite a lot of work. But yeah, shoe pastry cannot, for the life of me, get that to work and puff up. So they always come out flat. And then what I do, because the kids are all like sitting around waiting for them, is I break it up, put some cream in there and chocolate, and then just give them to them anyway. So they eat it like a Sunday. And lastly, what makes you smile, sir? Oh, I'm naturally smiley. You could probably you can't, are, on the yeah, podcast, you, you can't see, but I'm naturally smiley. No. But I guess well, when I laugh the most is when I'm with friends and we're talking about silly things. 
mainly memories in childhood. Um, but yeah, I'm naturally smiling. Uday, <laughs> yeah, too, too right. Uday, thank you, sir, for, for being a guest. You, you've come over exactly as I would have expected you to, the authentic <laughs> person that you are. You're, you're a, um, uh, a, a really nice, wonderful person. And as I say, I just, you know, when, when you and I met two or three years ago, it just felt like yeah. we hit it off immediately. And it's been wonderful to work with you and your team uh, over that period. Thanks for, thanks for coming on Leadership Confessions, mate. Thank you. Thanks so much for inviting me, Phil. Cheers, mate. Well, I hope you enjoyed that interview with Uday. One of the many things I love about Uday is how he's so purpose-driven in his work uh, and he puts the patience at the heart of everything he does. But he also does everything with a smile on his face and that just, he radiates that and makes you smile when you're with him. And And I hope you enjoyed the podcast as much as I did recording it. Thank you. Leadership Confessions from Clarity Leadership. Email hello at clarityleadership.co.uk and subscribe to receive every episode as it's released.